0: To Citizen Talk, the show that's restoring prudence to politics. I'm Juan Davalos.
1: And I'm Lynette Grunvig, and this is Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. You can also hear us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to search one word, Citizen Talk.
0: And we've been gone for, uh, for a few weeks. Um, I don't know if it's a result of the craziness that's going on, but <laughs> there's tons of things to talk about. But obviously, one of the main things in the news right now. It's race relations in the United States, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess it's, it's a problem. And I have been talking with, uh, with a friend who we went to Biola together. I did my master's in, in Biola and philosophy. And, and he was at Biola at the same time I was there. And we've been talking about his story because he has a very interesting story about his experience with race relations in in the country and and his thoughts and how they have changed. And he's a really smart guy. So I think it'd be great to have him join us in this conversation and help us learn about him and learn uh, what he has learned uh, in his time. Uh, So uh, Matt Schellenberg, welcome to our show. Thank you. Uh, so, Matt, uh, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. You, you, you teach math in, in uh, California, in Central California, the Fresno area. You, you told me that originally, I believe, you started going uh, to undergrad to study African-American studies. Is that right?
2: Yeah. So I, I didn't originally choose to go there for that, but I had signed up for the wrong class. I needed a class my first quarter there, and it was first on the list. And so I'm like, sounds good. I'll take African-American studies.
0: Uh, so you know, tell us how that developed and uh, why you were studying that, and what did you like about it, and uh, what were you learning about it?
2: Yeah, so I, I think at the time I, I really felt like I, I grew I grew up in Germany um, and I had not really wrestled with race a lot. And at the time, I felt like I didn't really know much about it, and it was something I felt was not quite right. I felt like I wanted to understand my fellow man better, and so I, I felt uh, that this would be a good way to go. So uh, I, I, I dove in the program, and I I was really hooked because I think I felt really guilty for being white. All the things that they were leveling at at people for being white, I totally identified with. And I totally. I wanted to make everyone happy, I wanted everyone to accept me. And I really was like, okay, what, do I, what did I do wrong? What can I do about it? And so I was totally immersed in that. Do you feel like,
0: like you say, you, you felt like you were guilty about being white. Is that something that you felt before you started taking those classes? Or as you started taking those classes, you started realizing that that, that was something
2: that you were guilty about? It definitely before college, I did not feel any real awareness or or guilt for being white. I always felt like I tried to do right by everyone and be as good a person as I could. And I I was shocked when I heard that. and I I immediately tried to fix that somehow.
1: I'm just curious, I wonder, could you give us some specific examples of the kind of things you were told uh, that made you feel that way?
2: Yeah, I just felt like all the evils of history were perpetrated by by white people, especially white men, and that they gained certain advantages because of that and they and and those advantages are are imbued to me as well like and I am here today uh, a beneficiary of that privilege and so for me that was horrifying like how do I get rid of this white privilege man like i I don't want any of this guilt on me so what changed <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's a story, right? I mean, this is um, it's it's kind of a walk. Um, so I was I was really into. So I actually went and got my master's. I went to a graduate school for African American studies mm-hmm. uh, at Temple University, and oh, uh, they and I, were more radical know. than any. And I was I was all about that. I I wanted to to go as far as I could. I I wanted to leave no stone unturned, no. Um, I wanted to indict white people for their guilt and uh family nothing was sacred. So family, you know, anyone that I felt wasn't down for the cause, that wasn't examining race the way I was, I felt didn't really care. And I felt that they were, yeah, they 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 didn't care because they didn't think like I did. And so I went as far as I could. I went into I went into the graduate department at Temple, and it was it was a pretty radical place. I think when I was at Davis, my undergrad, um, I don't feel like people really hated me for being white there. They were kind of okay with me being in the department. The professors were nice, but when I got to Temple, there was outright hostility for me being in the department and me being white that was tangible. Uh, not by everyone, of course. Uh, but certainly there was a proportion of students that felt that way.
1: Interesting. I'm just wondering, so I think for a lot of our listeners, including myself, we've never been in one of those, in in a black studies department. I I guess I'm just curious, how does that work? What kind of things do they teach? What kind of classes do they have?
2: Well, I mean, I got a degree in it, right? So I should know. (laughs) 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 But it was a while ago. Uh, But so I think that the the goal is is to eradicate inequality and on the surface that sounds perfectly wholesome and and wonderful and that's what attracted me to it as well because I am against oppression I'm against inequality I'm against unfairness and so I I think that what I learned in the department there especially the one at Temple but also at Davis was was how like basically um they ha- they talk about uh white imperialism and um white supremacy and that everyday things that you encounter are contributing to a a white dominance hmm. so cultural things like oh if there's music or entertainment or something that is primarily white well that normalizes whiteness that makes white privileged to be considered the normal and to be considered, uh, you know, the normal uh, de facto entertainment or or music or or history or anything. Mm. And so by engaging in that, you are furthering white supremacy. And so those things then became evil. Almost everything in life became evil. Anything that had white people in it became evil. Mm. And I tried to distance myself from that. I tried to not engage in those things as much as possible. And I really changed everything about me. And it was a pretty radical transformation. Were there,
0: other, uh, were there other white students in, uh, in Temple? I, I just wonder if, if you ever talked to them and if, you, if they kind of had the same experience that they felt
2: that certain hostility towards them, or? There were other white people, but I didn't talk to them because I didn't like <laughs> white people. <laughs>
1: So you were fully
2: then you, you fully
0: believed that then, like white people are evil. I must of course. Be I, I
2: became a black supremacist. I I really I felt white people were inferior. Hmm. And like I said, I, I left no stone unturned. Nothing was sacred. I felt that anything that could be laid at the at the feet of white people was was fair game. And I didn't want to be a compromiser. I didn't want to be like, oh there's I won't go that far. Like, no, I will go as far as, 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 as the philosophy takes me.
0: I'm just wondering, in, in, in your mind, how you dealt with yourself. Was there sort of like a self-hatred towards yourself or was it more like, well, because I've, I'm have i woke, I'm, I'm an ally, so it's okay. Uh, I, I, how did you deal with that?
2: Absolutely, there was a self-hatred. I did not feel comfortable in my own skin. I, Felt ugly. I felt like I didn't want to be white, um, but at the same time, being "quote unquote" woke, being down for the cause, gave gave my low self esteem just a little bump, mm. and that bump became addictive. and And so I really, I I really tried to up my self esteem with that.
1: This honestly sounds like a very extreme, almost religious conversion where you felt like you had to purify yourself of any kind of sin, original sin in this case, exactly. being born white. That's what it sounds like.
2: <laughs> oh, exactly. It was a religious thing. And and that brings me to my next point, because at the department and temple, they were very anti-Christian and they saw Christianity as the white man's religion. And I had grown up in the church and Although I would say I wasn't super passionate about my faith, I defaulted to it and I thought it was the right thing and um, did not want to offer that up right away without thinking about it. And so when charges were leveled at Christianity by the professors, uh, I went and researched and read the Bible and read apologetics and things like that, that were, that were talking about that. And, um, you know, and so I realized, man, these guys are, these guys are really radical and it forced me as a young man to really wrestle with my faith, because sometimes you take it for granted, you don't examine it. And then when something comes that really puts, uh, you know, puts you to the, what's it called, puts you, puts you to the fire, your feet to the fire. There we go. You know, then you have to wrestle with it. And then uh, you, you, you really, you've got to decide, are you in or are you out with your faith? And at the same time, I was going to this church, and I was seeing people's lives changed. Mm -hmm. and people turning from evil to good and all I was seeing in the department was 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 oh we need more education we need to inform people they did nothing about the soul they they had they had they knew all about all the ways uh, in which there was racism they knew all the ways that the world was wrong down to the finest detail and finest granularity but they didn't have real solutions I did not feel Mm -hmm. that they had the answer. And at the same time I was at church and I was seeing people, people turn from evil to good. I'm like, this is what people need. You know, people's lives are changed by the gospel and they're becoming believers in God and their lives are changed. And, um, their eternal, their eternal destiny has changed. And I felt, I felt at the time that really mattered, you know, Hey, eternity matters. And what these guys are doing, they're, they're not, they don't have an eternal mind. They're not thinking about you know, God is real, and there's an afterlife, and like, it's just all about this world right now, and when I became convinced, when I had to wrestle that, and I became convinced that God was real, so that changed everything for me, because uh, I, my priorities changed, and I felt like the Great Commission is really what, is really our task, is really what we're, ha- we set out to do. That's yeah, cool. so uh,
0: I, I am curious if, if you can talk a little bit about more about how your views started changing or what was it about uh, Christianity? So obviously I think that experience, seeing people's lives actually changed is, I, I think one of the best arguments for the gospel. I, at least that was my my experience also. I, I'm curious, what was it you think about the gospel that kind of clashed with this, um, I don't know if they called it, you know black lives matter at the time or what what yeah. the movement was called back then but we didn't even
2: uh, call it woke
0: yeah yeah that's that's <laughs> more of a, a newer term <laughs> yeah. but what was it about christianity that was clashing with with this movement
2: i think we often take for granted that we're made in the image of god and that or god loves us and those statements become cliche and meaningless if we don't really believe them and when i believed that god was real uh, and I believe that I was made in the image of God. I realized that God didn't hate me for being white. God did not resent me. He didn't even resent me. He didn't. In fact, there was no problem with that. You know, God loves white people just like everyone else. And so I started thinking, well, if if God doesn't have a problem with it, why do I have a problem with it? Am I greater than God? Am I? Do I know something he doesn't? And so it just made no sense to me to resent white people because uh, God loves them too. And tearing people down, I became, you know, I was hyper judgmental. I realized that's uh, what I want God to judge me like that. What I want God to say, Oh, you're white. I don't like you. And, uh, or you're, you're not, you know, whatever judgment, you know, the Bible says that, you know, whatever judgment measure you use on others will be used on you. And that really, I did not like that. I did not like that at all, and so I realized that's not right. And, and you know, I I, saw, I thought about history, and you know, hey, God really blessed white people. There's a lot of you know, Europe produced a lot of good theology, and um, God's not like embarrassed, like because if I were woke, that's not if I were God, that's not I would not have chosen Europe as a vessel for my message because they're white, and and I realized God God didn't he was fine with it and so it just became to me like i'm not greater than god and he he knows what he's doing and he loves white people so why should i hate them
1: yeah i think that's a powerful point and i i'm inclined to agree that christianity what's happened is we've taken i think i read a quote by gk Chesterton the other day that we've taken christian values separated them apart and split them apart and transformed them and that going back to essentially Christian values really in many ways is the answer to this.
0: You, you're seeing right now, everything that's happening in the news, everything that people are saying, especially uh, you know, white people. I, I, I see a lot of my, my friends who, who are white. Uh, I saw a friend the other day say something about how am I going to teach my children to love black people uh, or to love uh, minorities? I I was telling my friends you know I rarely get offended I am not a person who's easily offended but I was somewhat offended by that comment because I was like I because she was saying you know I'm going to make an effort to diversify my friends and and seek out friends who are uh, are diverse and to a certain extent I was like well am I I going to become sort of like a pet project do you want to you know, be my friend just because I'm from a different culture or whatever uh so I don't know i I just took that a little weird, uh but I'm curious what what you would say to to your white friends um now that everything is going on in in the country
2: Wow, um there's a lot of thoughts that are are coming to my mind, uh so please try to keep my brain reined in. Um, I just think back to when I was in college and my roommate brought over a white guy. And I was super rude to him just because he was white. And that's not the love of Christ. You know, I was kind of like, I was, because I was managing my friend list. I didn't want to be seen with, I had a certain quota of people of color or black people or white. You know, I couldn't have too many of this or that. And I pushed real humans away whom I could have reached with the love of God and the truth of his gospel and eternal life. Like we have something to offer to give people. If they're white and they want to hear about it, what's wrong with that? And and so I, I, I stopped name dropping and managing my friends and trying to have a diverse list of friends because, you know, God says, love your neighbor. Whoever's there, whoever you come across, you know, show them love. If everyone in your neighborhood is white, well, then that's fine. Love them. Reach them for God. Don't hate them or, or like, oh, gosh, this is a white neighborhood, man. I got to get out of here. Like just love, like the, the gospel is for everyone. We are, The Great Commission is our cause and um, God loves them and he wants to reach them too. So what is your problem? <laughs> yeah, well, there's some more thoughts. I'm just trying, I'm, I'm trying to, because your question was about what do I tell people today, right? Right. I guess it's kind of related, right? Like I think that the verse about loving your neighbor makes sense. And if your neighborhood is diverse, well, then love them. You know, I I, I don't think that manage so... I don't think managing and, and keeping a diverse set of friends is really a high priority. If you understand that everyone is made in the image of God and everyone needs his love and everyone needs forgiveness.
0: What, what has been weird for me is the experience of starting to actually see things through a racial lens, because I've never, I've never had that before. And I've, as things have been going on right now, working on writing an article about my experience with racism in america or actually the lack of racism towards me and i was i was thinking about this and i'm like i've never uh thought through things through a racial lens but it's almost like the circumstances now are forcing me to see everything uh through a racial lens and and that seems to me antithetical to to christianity and the gospel because it seems that like you're, you're saying, you love your neighbor. You don't look at your neighbor as, oh, what race are they? You just love them because they're your neighbor, that's, that's it. Um, so I wonder if, if, if you agree with that or, um, or if you still think there is an element of race that we should consider when when reaching out to people.
2: Ooh, that's a tough one. Well, what I, what I was thinking originally is I, I think about my sister who is developmentally disabled and she truly selflessly and universally loves everyone she comes across and to some of my friends back at temple that wouldn't be good enough she has to be woke and i thought that's that's a horrible that's a it's an impossible standard and it's really in a, a bottomless pit um and your question again about well,
0: if, if you think it's right, I, I, I think you answered it with the example of your sister. I doubt that she, I'm sure she genuinely loves everyone, and I doubt she considers race when loving others. Yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, look, things are real. Like, race is something that people think about. Right. I'm not saying it's not real. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I was looking back at when I was an undergrad and in, in my first grad school. And um, all the all the management I tried to do, and all the name dropping I tried to do, um, you know, I, I I thought I was being sly or slick, uh, but I think I think people saw right through. And a lot of people who aren't white realize when they're you become their project, you know, like oh you you like me because you need a quota on your friend list, you know, and that's becoming the popular thing to do. And so I think it really dehumanizes people. Yeah. It's like you want to be my friend for because of my skin. Like that doesn't make that's totally dehumanized. It's an insult, right. you know. <laughs> like, like that's not seeing people in the image of God, and, and you're really being you're kind of being a racist when when you do stuff like that. And I don't think that's what God wants. I just I just don't see it. Yeah,
1: do you almost think? That a certain degree of the modern anti-racism is really
2: a new form of racism then? Yeah, I mean, it it certainly can be, yeah. Well,
0: you've been uh, listening to uh, Matt Schellenberg here on Citizen Talk. I'm
1: Juan Davalos. And I'm Lynette Grunvig, and this is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. And you can also hear us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search One Word Citizen Talk.
0: We'll be right back after the break.